0: Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Orthopedic Surgery Podcast, a curated series of interviews and discussions highlighting the three shields of orthopedic surgery at Mayo Clinic, clinical practice, research, and education. Welcome back to the Mayo Clinic Orthopedic Surgery Podcast. I'm your host, John Barlow, and I've got with me today, Kelechi Akoraha. He's going to join us today to talk about one of his uh, outstanding papers that he wrote. It is called, A Multimodal Protocol to Diminish Pain Following Common Orthopedic Sports Procedures. Can We Eliminate Postoperative Opioids? Casey trained at uh, Henry Ford and then did his fellowship at Rush. And joined us at our Mayo Clinic Twin Cities practice as a sports medicine specialist and team doctor for the Timberwolves. Thanks for joining us, Casey.
1: Thanks for having me, John.
0: This is an exciting article, and uh, I should mention it was published in Arthroscopy in 2020, Volume 36, Number 8, so everybody can uh, look it up. But can you tell us kind of how that, where this paper come from? Where have we been with pain management? It's obviously on everybody's mind with opioid crisis, but where have we been? Where are we going? And, and how did this paper get started in your mind?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, pain management historically has, you know, come in different fashions. You know, either people are doing blocks. For instance, ACLs used to get femoral nerve blocks. You, you know, you're doing local infiltration. But even with all that, p- patients are getting a large number of opioids most operatively. And so I know for orthopedic surgeons, with the amount of surgeries and how painful it is, we are some of the biggest prescribers of opioids in the nation. And so this kind of came about as in, at Henry Ford, we were doing a lot of different studies, you know, randomized control trials, trying to compare pain management protocols, either you know from blocks or local infiltration. And this was kind of expanding on it. And I, I was looking at articles, and I found three, you know, facts that really stuck in my head. One uh, was a stat that said opioid prescriptions rose from 76 million prescriptions in 1990 to 219 million in 2011, okay? The second one was between 2001 and 2016, there's a 345% increase in the deaths caused by opioid in the United States. And then the third one and the, probably the biggest one was that opioid overdose was the leading cause of accidental death in the United States. And so just with the experience of pain control at Henry Ford, I, I just thought that there's got to be a better way we can do this. So I really, you know, I put together a protocol that I thought that would attack pain at different receptors. I had a great uh, mentor in Dr. Matsouris who was confident enough in me to let me try it out on a couple of our patients. And then this came about the series that we tried here.
0: That's great. And I think it illustrates those, those uh, three points really illustrate that this, is, this is, an, in, is and was truly an opioid crisis where we were in a, in a rapid escalation of narcotic doses for patients. And I can remember something similar as a resident where uh, we were routinely giving out large doses of, of narcotics. And uh, certainly, I, I I don't think that that led to substantially better pain control for those patients. So so it's a um, obviously it's a really nice uh, protocol. Can you talk uh, to us about what the protocol was and what you used?
1: So we use some preoperative medications. We use sulcoxib, uh, acetaminophen, uh, gabapentin, gabib- and dexamethasone preoperatively just to kind of start that uh, pain relief. And then post-operatively, we use a number of medications to target different pain receptors. So we use Tylenol for pain relief. We use anti-inflammatories like Toradol and uh, Meloxicam uh, for anti-inflammation. Uh, we use Gabapentin for a nerve agent. And then we use Diazepam to control muscle cramps.
0: That's great. And um, intraoperatively, did you use uh, nerve blocks or uh, local infiltration and... and um... How did you decide that?
1: Yeah, so we had four different cohorts. We had patients undergoing ACL surgery, meniscus surgery, labrum surgery, and rotator cuff surgery. And it was basically decided by the senior author's protocol. He used blocks for his ACLs and his labrums and not for the other two surgeries. So that's what we did in this uh, protocol.
0: That makes sense. And um, can you tell us a little bit about what you found, what the results were of of these uh, sort of limited narcotic protocols?
1: Right, so what we did is in that protocol, we did give them 10 pills of oxycodone. And what we said is don't take this medication, you know, follow this non-opioid protocol. And if you are having excruciating pain that's not controlled by this, then you can take some opioids. So what we found is that at a week, the average pain level was three out of 10 on the VAS score. We found that on average, patients took two and a half pills of the oxycodone pills and forty-five percent of patients did not use opioids at all. So, and then a hundred percent of patients found that this protocol was, you know, successful and they found it beneficial. So, we found that we were really able to, you know, treat patients with minimal opioid use.
0: It's remarkable, and I uh, I don't know if you um, if it was in the scope of this, but that has to be dramatically less than what was what was used before. Is that your sense from your institution?
1: Yeah, it was definitely, you know, less than what we've given before. Cause you know, usually you give 30 to 60 pills of oxycodone depending on the surgery. So this was a dramatic decrease. And so from that we were able to extrapolate this data and then we did randomized control trials which will be coming out in ACL and meniscus soon.
0: That's great. Any thoughts about uh, NSAIDs in the post-operative phase and and healing or concerns about that or how, or how did you choose the uh, NSAID of choice?
1: Yeah, so that's a, that's a big thing and that's a big uh, kind of, I would call it a myth that uh, people had back in the day that you know NSAIDs limit bone healing or soft tissue healing. But I think two big uh, meta-analysis, one by uh, Kermis and colleagues and one by Marquez and associates, uh, what they did is they did two large meta-analysis on all the data. And what they found is that there's really no high quality literature supporting that NSAIDs inhibit tissue healing in the clinical setting. I think some of those older studies that said that were in rats and they were, you know, they weren't in human uh, trials.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think there were super high doses in spine fusion models and uh, some of that stuff. But it's amazing how nervous surgeons are about uh, about healing rates. And obviously it it, uh, colors how we make decisions about other things any issues surgeons should know about using this protocol moving forward or um, any, or, or let's say any issues with the paper that, that as an author, inside scoop about things that maybe didn't go exactly as you wanted or, or cautions there.
1: Yeah. So, so most of the reviewers and people that I've uh, kind of tried to talk to about this protocol are concerned about drowsiness post op So there was a almost a quarter, 23% of patients did have some drowsiness. Um, But what I would say is that, you know, you get drowsy with oxycodone as well, you know? And I think a lot of the drowsiness was because of the volume. And so we did is we switched that out to Robaxin, which is able to have that, you know, muscle relaxant without so much of the drowsy effects. So that's the alteration that we made to help.
0: Got it. And I know at, um, at Mayo, there's been some discussion about gabapentin but I um, in the perioperative period, but I think that's one where um, there could be modifications to that drug over time. But the idea of kind of attacking it from different areas and then attacking it both pre- and post-operatively sure seems to be a pretty compelling part of this uh, protocol.
1: Right. Yeah. I think with the gabapentin too, uh, you want to target um, your, your people that you're giving that to. So you wanna make sure that these are the younger patients and with this protocol really only given in a week. So it's not long-term use that would have any of those effects uh, that people are concerned about.
0: Perfect, that's great. Any changes that you've made? One of the, um, I know as an example, uh, there, there's thoughts in, in our group about femoral nerve blocks. Any how, What is, let's say, what is your current protocol for a couple of these procedures? But You can leave your medications uh, portion, but let's say for ACL, thoughts about blocks or no blocks, and then same for labrum, cuff, and meniscus.
1: Yeah, so we actually did the blocks in, in the prospective cohort just because the senior author did, but we've done randomized controlled trials comparing femoral nerve blocks and local infiltration. And what we found is local infiltration provides even a better benefit than blocks. So my current, you know, protocol for my patients is I do local infiltration with like a joint joints um, protocol block and then do these non-opioids post-optically. That way they don't even have to have a block.
0: That's great. And uh, for shoulders, do you use intrascaline blocks or do you um, do the same
1: with local infiltration? Same, same local infiltration.
0: That's great. Well, uh, a really nice contribution. And when should we be able to anticipate some of these uh, randomized control trials to come out? Are those uh, in the works?
1: Yeah. So both the randomized control trials of the ACL and the meniscus are in press right now. So they should be coming out in arthroscopy in, in the next month or two.
0: That sounds perfect. And the protocols for the medication dosage were pretty much the same, except for the, um, the modification of the diazepam. Is that right?
1: Yep. We switched out the diazepam. Um, so there's just some small um, alterations with pretty much the same thing.
0: Perfect. Well, really important work that you're doing here and thanks for uh, bringing this up and thanks for highlighting it. I think obviously there's there's in some of these things, putting a team together to figure out how to be uh, comprehensive in terms of perioperative pain is a little bit of work on the front end, but I've, I've never talked to anybody who didn't go through one of these process and, and just be really thankful about the process afterwards. And certainly, if we can decrease the amount of narcotics and and some of those start chipping away at some of those statistics you brought up at the beginning, it's going to be critically important. So thanks for joining us. Any other uh, final thoughts to leave our uh, our readers and listeners about this article?
1: Yeah, I'd say if you're a surgeon, uh, definitely give it a try. I would say my experience and my senior author's experience has been that this is practice changing. You know, Patients have come up to them and say, you know, I thank you so much for putting me on this protocol, you know, and even some patients come up to us and say, Hey, I don't want any opioids. I heard about all the bad effects. So this is a potential protocol that you can say, Hey, I I can put you on this protocol. It's going to manage your pain.
0: Beautiful. Thanks so much for joining us today, Casey. All
1: right. Thanks for having me, John.